Make it so, number one. Here we are again. It's uh, December 1st. What we're going to talk about today is Black Lives Matter, spending lots of money today on the Chuck Dever Podcast. The Chuck Dever Podcast. Okay, so they spent about 6% of Black Lives Matter global network spending was in the form of grants to outside organizations such as its independent affiliated chapters. 6%. That's pretty much next to nothing. I can't believe this. This is just coming out now. I mean, this has been going on for years now. This is from 2017 through 2019. Audited financial statements from its fiscal sponsor provide. So, yeah, I mean, the group, you've always known it. The money goes straight to Democrats. This is a partisan organization that claims to be a grassroots organization. It's not grassroots in any way or capacity. It was designed to funnel off money. That's it. They're skimming, and they're sending it straight to the Democrats. The Democrats, I mean, at this point are not above taking money from horrible groups like Black Lives Matter that just take it from people who are unsuspecting, unknowing, and just go off the name. But it's good marketing, I must say. Oh, by the way, I'm drinking out of my Leftist Tears mug, so I guess that's like, uh, it's a thing. A little product placement there for the guys at Daily Wire. (laughs) Hopefully they appreciate it. Send me a check. (laughs) All right. Let's keep going. They announced in June 11th it was launching a $6.5 million fund to support its affiliated local chapters with grants of up to $500,000 after donations began flooding in after George Floyd an unarmed black man who died on May 25th. If anybody remembers those riots, I sure do. It was terrible. I mean, personally, I think that was one of the legitimate cases of potential abuse. I mean, it didn't look good. You know, these guys, they were... It was... It shouldn't have happened. It really shouldn't have happened. Kneeling on a guy for 8 or 9 or 11 minutes or whatever it is. Here it says it's 8 minutes. I've heard 9. I've heard 11. I've heard it was even longer than that, but I... I don't know. At that point, it's like, okay, if you were trained to do it, well, the training should be changed. I mean, I don't see how that's positive training. But he also had high amounts of fentanyl in his system that they say if a coroner had just investigated him without knowing the background, they would have said he overdosed. So there's that. It's a sad situation, no doubt, but I think... Unfortunately, people just react in this knee-jerk fashion, and then they end up sending their money out to these organizations who are just 
vultures, man, hanging in the trees around, and they're watching for this kind of stuff, and then they swoop in, grab the cash, and go. And that's what they've done. And then they go and funnel it into the Democrats, and the Democrats have absolutely no uh, compunction about just taking that cash. I mean, blood money is fine money to them. To too many people. I'm sure there's a few Republicans I could go and tag that with, unfortunately. There's enough to go around. Okay. So, former Black Lives Matter activist Ashley Yates has publicly criticized the Global Network since as early as 2018 for what she says is a lack of transparency and has accused the organization of squandering money on excessive travel and compensation for its top staffers. Well, they are a Marxist organization, after all. This is pretty much how it goes. This is what you're going to expect. And this is what people don't understand when they go after. They try to go and claim socialism isn't communism, or we don't want that kind of socialism. Well, that's how socialism manifests, whether you like it or not. You can try and change it. You can say almost anything about it, but it's not going to change the actuality of how people are going to react when they're faced with the idea of getting almost unlimited bags of cash for uh, very little work, and you'd think that they're going to represent everyone else equally under that? I seriously doubt it. And I mean, it even even if you go to say to somebody, like uh, a Democrat, let's say, talking about Bill Clinton and his treatment and his intern habit, let's say, if you bring that up, they say, well, he's just doing his thing. But it's it's a two-fold system. It's a, it's a rules for thee, but not for me. It's like Dianne Feinstein going out and being able to have a concealed carry permit while you're not. Or her, her legislation prohibits you from getting guns. It's all of that. It's Nancy Pelosi going getting her hair done after she tells you your hair salons have to be closed. It's Gavin Newsom going out to dinner at the French Laundry, going and getting dinner with more than 12 friends. I've heard it was up to 22. He knew about this. He set up the meet. And then he goes and tries to claim, well, I should have walked out. Well, you set up the meeting. You knew the rules, and you just didn't care. You don't believe your own rhetoric, and you just say things. And this way, it gets you more of those bags of cash that you're after. And uh, it must be nice to be at the top. Unfortunately, for those of us on the bottom, we have to listen to this nonsense. And people like me, who are anti-Marxist, who are anti-collectivist, who are anti-centralized planning, are stuck with people who are like, well, they're going to look out for us. Well, I'm sorry, they don't. Anyway, continuing. Ashley Yates tweets, How much longer is this facade going to continue? How much more money will be poured into this bottomless pit with nothing to show for it aside from houses and cars for co-founders? And then she goes and adds to that tweet, Oh, and retreats, with an asterisk, vacations. Lots of those. (laughs) I mean, did you really think that these people at the head of this organization, or any of these types of organizations, would not do these things? I mean, there's people who are like this. I mean, in every single aspect of human life, it it's the default position. This isn't something that's so obscure and unseen 
And to think that we're going to have these benevolent angels who are just going to look out for us is just out of your mind. Crazy. Okay, so she goes on to say, I no longer work with Black Lives Matter in any capacity, but most of the local chapters suffer. Little funding comes through, but the network capitalizes off the work of the local organizations with the same name. Of course they do. It's like a pyramid scheme. Look at a pyramid scheme. That's what this is. In this sense, I mean, it's 100% analogous. It's sad. I mean, there's so many people who legitimately want to stop things like the George Floyd thing, and then they get caught up. And it's just too much, man. I mean, you, you see all these people who are out there trying to go and legitimately want to change things for the better, and unfortunately they get taken over by Antifa, and now Black Lives Matter just swoops in getting bags of cash. And no one puts any scrutiny on this organization because they don't want to be labeled a racist. It was the same thing for when Obama was president. Nobody wanted to say anything against his crazy policies. And now here we go. I mean, now we've got Obamacare, which was, okay, let's call it the Affordable Care Act. Was it more affordable? No, it actually raised prices. But we were not going to discuss that because of the black man who designed it. You can't say these things because if you have someone who is of a minority group, they are protected from scrutiny in any way. You can't bring up the idea that they might be wrong. It's, <laughs> it is racism to think that. That is what it is. When you can't go and criticize someone based on their race, that's racism. Okay? Not reverse racism, it's just racism. Black Lives Matter did not create or build this new grassroots movement against police brutality and racism. They capitalized off a nameless groundswell of resistance, sweeping the nation. They branded it as their own and profited from the deaths of black men and women around the country without seriously engaging as a national formation in getting justice for fighting families. Black Lives Matter Cincinnati wrote, all the while raking in hundreds of thousands of dollars from high-end speaking engagements and donations from foundations that support the black struggle. Well, sorry to tell you, this is how it's going to go. and It's not getting better. There sure isn't a Martin Luther King out there right now saying, judge me not on the color of my skin. All these people are saying, judge me strictly by my skin. Prop 16 in California it legitimately wants to tear down the Civil Rights Act. It wants to repeal the Civil Rights Act. That should be a warning flag for everyone. Everyone should see that as a red flag and just run in the opposite direction. Anyway, that's it for now. Talk to you soon. All right, we're back. This is another part to today's episode. We're going to talk about a return to normalcy. That's what Biden is trying to present us with. And we're going to drive home from work right now. So it's going to be a little wobbly. Sorry about that. I hope that everybody's all right. And I hope the thing doesn't fall out. Anyway, today is December 1st. And we're discussing 
what is going to take place with a Biden presidency. Okay, we got to, I mean, look, the odds are in favor of Joe Biden winning. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, and that's definitely not what I want to have happen. But the reality is, at this point, I can only go by the information given me, and unfortunately, it looks like too many people are willing to just look the other way to all the inaccuracies and statistical anomalies and craziness that's just surrounded this election. Okay, so let's break it down. What is normalcy? Because it seems like that's what people want when they voted for Joe Biden. They wanted to return to normal. What is normal? Well, normal is corrupt. Okay, let's just start there and build on that. Normal is normally corrupt. It's as normal a status as any that's ever been throughout history. And I mean, I'm not talking just in America, and I'm not just talking American elections. I'm talking throughout the world, over all time, corruption has plagued every society to varying degrees. America has been pretty lucky. We've had some corruption, there's no doubt. But generally speaking, the corruption has been at a level that's been manageable. It's not as terrible as in a lot of places. And it's not as blatant. There is corruption sometimes where it's just people will skim off the top, which is a different type of corruption than what, when you think of a place like, say, Venezuela, obviously, where they've taken control and they won't give it up. I mean, even they've gone so far as to rig elections, which seems to be what we're returning to, which is not really something we've ever had before to this degree. Not that I'm aware of. And I mean, I never even considered that our system was as fraught with fraud as, and just, and not even just fraud, just statistical strangeness, things that should never have happened. And I mean... It was really, it metastasized, it, uh, metastasized into a terrible situation due to the mail-in ballot system in a lot of states, for swing states particularly, because those are really the ones where the system was pushed to its max, and as I watch, I see all these things that just don't seem to add up in any real way. Okay. So, the return to normalcy is corruption. Joe Biden is the epitome of it. I mean, he really is terrible at his job. He's been in he's been living on the government dime for 48 years, I think. Now, that's my entire life. He's he's done nothing and contributed nothing to society in any real way. And I mean that. I mean, he has not Every bit of legislation that he put forward, he now denounces and he doesn't agree with. In fact, he's gone as far as to be polar opposite positionally. He's evolved. His evolved position is the exact diametric opposition of what it once was. This is not... I, I, I can't say that that's a successful career in any way. If you were in the private market, if you were in the, you know, the free market, you would have, you'd be laughed out of the business, you know? I mean, if you start off in one premise and then you completely do a complete 180 and now you're going and saying things that you never thought you'd say, that's, I mean, it, I myself 
we'll get, get into that a little bit. Myself, I've evolved my positions over time. Now, I the thing is, when I started even considering having a position, I was a college student and I signed on to the Democrat Party. I did. I said that the Democrats were the more likable and I was marketed to. I mean, the rock the vote, the whole idea of the Republicans are stupid, they're racists, they're, that all took hold. They, the war on women, even. I mean, I, I kind of fell for that. And it's like, I was, I was in agreement with feminism. I was in agreement with what would be called now social justice warriors, but I wasn't, I didn't, there was no name for it like that then. That wasn't, identity politics was, it wasn't referred to in that way when I came up through college. As I got older, I mean, I'd heard, I'd heard Rush Limbaugh, and of course I dismissed him out of hand. I dismissed a lot of these. Anyone who didn't go, George Bush, I, I thought he was an idiot. Not by any real reason. It wasn't that I was actually looking at the person. I was listening to what I was told and what I should think. Because honestly, let's be real. I wasn't as interested in politics as I am today. Today, I've become interested in politics because politics thrusts itself in your life. And once it does that, then of course you're going to be a little interested in why is it doing this? And why is it wanting to harm a lot of the things that I hold dear? Well, as I came up, I, uh, my positions evolved, obviously. Here, here I am. I'm a strict conservative, I guess you could say. I mean, I follow... If I was going to ideologically describe myself, I think conservatism is definitely on the list of what I, how I see the world. Sorry, I keep scratching my nose. <laughs> I see the world in a certain way, and I think that the best way to manifest individuals is through conservatism. Limited government. That's what that means. That's all that means. It means you limit government and you conserve individual rights, the rights of the individual, and they should be sacrosanct. That should be the highest value in your society. Freedom should be cherished. No, no longer. This is one of the things, this is where I started to make a break. It actually was over time, this is probably, it was before Trump came up for sure, I did vote for Barack Obama. This is how long, I mean, in the first election, I did vote for him. That was a mistake. But he, well, I learned from it. And in the next election, I voted for the libertarian candidate. I modulated from one side to the other in a slow, pretty steady way. And I'd say that that was only because in the beginning, I didn't even acknowledge what it was I was looking at. I didn't understand, like, the complexity of what was happening. And that's what Democrats want. They want the low-educated voter. They want the low-information voter. And I don't mean educated as in college degrees, because that has no place, really, in politics, other than to political science majors who want to go and make a career out of it. And even they, I mean, they're... It's propagandized to them. 
And that's the thing that happened to me. And the propaganda worked for a while. I'm okay to admit that. I don't like it. I don't feel good about it. But the propaganda worked because it's insidious. It's in everything, all the time. Sounds like a tin hat idea, right? But no, it's true. You can go back decades, decades, and see things. Just references on TV, passing things that you don't even notice, that you really never noticed, but they're there. And they're there to push you in certain ways. And this is all by design. I mean, it might not, isn't it? I don't think there's some cabal <laughs> sitting in the back room of every television show, radio show, music enterprise. I don't think that at all. It's not that. It's just that they all tend to align with this philosophy of a utopia, a possible utopia. If only everyone would just do what they're told, if everyone would just follow along with what we think is best, just trust the Democrats, they're such good people. Right. These is the same, this is the same group of people that had the KKK on their side. Yes, yes, I should trust them. This is the same group of people in the New York Times who ignored what was going on with Stalin, who ignored what was going on with Hitler. They ignored all these things, and but I'm supposed to trust them that they have my best interests at heart. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. But either way, my modulation and my, I guess you could say, transformation ideologically, if you could say that, I mean, was pretty generic and pretty even-keeled. Now, I must say that I, I'm, I align strictly against a lot of the things that I was okay with. I would never say that I was for abortion. I would never say that I was for forced socialized health care. I was never pro these things. I just was open to the idea of them because this is what I was propagized, propagandized with for years, for years, since I was a little guy. I was a little guy running around and they have this stuff on TV, you know, it's like when I was a little guy, I think it was actually before I was born, they had Maud. Maud is out there telling about her abortion, so how can you hate a person who had abortion? Or how can you hate the act of abortion if a woman like Maud was doing it? And this is what I mean. It's it's propagandized through television, through All in the Family. I mean, you've had certain things that you make him seem like a just racist bigot is what anybody who goes against what we say, you know, or is a conservative. They try to make Archie Bunker seem as like a standard conservative. And they've been, they've been successful in that. They have. They try to make... As you, if you watch television going through early 70s through the 80s, you'll see a disappearance of a family who has a father figure who's a strong father figure. I challenge you to find father figures that are strong, that are not idiots, that are someone to look up to who the family goes to with their problems in a real way. You know, and I, I, I seriously, I challenge you to find me, say five, because if you look back, you go back further, then it was totally different. And you can see that was when the propaganda motive entered into it. And it's been in there, I mean, politically since then. And it's gotten stronger. It's gotten more 
blatant. It's like they're not so subtle anymore. And I think that's the thing that caused me to just, it cracked the shell. And I was like, okay, I want to investigate this. I want to see if Rush Limbaugh is like a racist and a misogynist. And I was, you know, I started just listening to it. Just, it wasn't even a challenge. It was just like, I want to hear this idiot, right? That was kind of my whole thing. Let's listen to what this idiot says. Well, guess what? He's not a racist. He's not a sexist. I mean, look, he validates the difference between men and women. And, I mean, if that's misogyny, well, then, yeah, okay. But (laughs) to no normal human being who recognizes the differences between men and women and who can spot it, then, uh, no, he's not any of those things that I was told. And he's definitely not an idiot. He's actually one of the smartest people on radio, and thank God for that. I wish him the best prayers to Rush Limbaugh. But myself, that was one of the moments that I was actually, I said, wait a minute. If that's not true, and this isn't true, and that's not true, I went through the list, and it just, it all clicked. It's like, I've been being taken advantage of. I've been just... I was a stupid college kid. I was a typical stupid college kid. And I can say that because I was. And I did it. And because I didn't care. Apathy made me an idiot. You know? And I was just okay with going out, having fun, doing things. I mean, I was making music. I was playing in bands. And everybody I interacted with was all ideologically similar. And I just kind of went with the program there. I just went along with it. And it wasn't like I really... I mean, come on. You look at all these... <laughs> the 60s acts. They were all communists. And now I see it. I didn't see it then. But... Yeah. So that's the return to normalcy that we're going to see under Biden. This kind of... Uh, the press is going to go along with every single thing he says. They're just going to go along for the ride. They're totally inept at finding fault with their own side at this point. And you can be sure that all the negative stuff that's happening, like him breaking his foot with his pet dog, which is probably not true. How many people have had that happen? I don't think many. But, uh, yeah, you're going to get whitewashed information from this point forward from our media on Biden and Kamala Harris and all of it. And now that Trump is out, I really... (laughs) Good luck, media. You've got your wish now. Now you get to go and just cozy up with these people that you've wanted to have in office, who have been in office for years and decades and just lived off of the public dime. Essentially wards of the state. And, well, we'll see how that plays out if it does. God help us. That's it for now. Catch you later.